0: Keep your Bibles open there to John chapter ten. We'll refer back to that uh, some throughout the message. But we're thankful that you could be here. Um, did want to mention? I forgot to mention earlier. The Lord has has blessed us with some great help these last couple years. I want to say a special thank you to um, my secondary principal, Mr. Chad Martin. Raise your hand so people know who you are, Mr. Martin, and elementary principal, Mrs. Andrea Freley. Raise your hand there. <laughs> It's been, been a great help having them and as, as the on the administrative level to help carry the the load. You know, when you get when you get a lot of kids around, um, you get more parents around, you get more traffic, you get more students, you get more uh, classrooms, you get more teachers. There's just more to do, and so I'm so thankful for the extra help that we have on the administrative end. You're in John chapter 10, verse. 10. 10 says the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly we've had a uh, kind of a, a little subtitle underneath our school name for years that says educating for eternity and we are truly trying to do that we're trying to educate both through our church and through our school for eternity. It's not just you know, to get a good job. It's not just to uh, you know, be accepted into a good college. It's to educate young people for this life and beyond. We want them to make sure that they know that they have eternal life and that after they have eternal life through salvation through Christ, they also can have abundant life. And, and that's our goal through our ministry here. Educating for eternity. But you know what? The devil is trying to steal the hearts and minds of our children. He's trying to steal the souls of the next generation. If he can't convince them to not accept Christ and salvation, he'll confuse them and make them ineffective for the kingdom. Educating children to accept Christ as their personal savior and then live a life that's pleasing to God and is profitable for the kingdom of God is what we as a school, as a church, hopefully you as parents, those of you that are grandparents, you have those goals for your children as well. So I want to look today at how Jesus taught, what he taught, who he taught, why he taught. We're going to start with what Jesus taught. What did Jesus teach when he was here walking on this earth? And as an example for us, what should we be teaching our children? Um, First and foremost, we're gonna tell you what it is by telling you what it's not. It's not the current cultural lies that are being propagated. Our culture is rewriting history. They're reinventing how the earth and man came to be. They're redefining genders they're trying to reengineer the family. Government has become this all-knowing, all-authoritative entity instead of the Bible, God's Word, and parents, the family. Hollywood portrays evil as normal, good as either stupid or outdated. The nightly news used to tell us what's happening. Now the 24-hour news cycle that is mainly controlled by those people who don't believe the Bible try to tell us what to think. The daily bombardment, glorifying homosexuality, pushing transgenderism, accepting pornography, and normalizing sexual promiscuity when God said, flee fornication. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says what? Know ye not your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which you have of God, you're not your own. For you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. Social media, which was once thought to be a, a good way to kind of catch up with old friends or to connect with people you don't see every day, has become a pariah of anti-social behavior, cyberbullying, Unfair comparisons, you're looking at someone else's highlight reel, comparing it to your mundane daily existence. Our teens today get their self-worth from how many friends, how many followers, how many clicks or how many likes they have, rather than knowing that we are created by God in his image and for his purpose. The goal of our modern culture, which has been directed by the devil himself, is to steal the heart, the soul of our kids. And they're succeeding. Parents, we need to fight against that. We need to be in the battle. What did Jesus teach? Not the current cultural lies, but the truth of God's Word. That's what we try to do here at First Baptist Church. At Atlanta Lakes Christian School, teach the truth of God's word. You know, all the Old Testament and New Testament. Jesus summed it up this way in Matthew twenty-two, verse thirty-seven. The verse will be on the screen there. Jesus said unto him, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it: Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself." On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. You know, the Bible is a big book. 39 books in the, in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, 66 books total. To understand them all, to read them all, to study them all, takes work, doesn't it? 2 Timothy 2.15 admonishes us to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So we ought to study God's word. But Jesus summed it up pretty well here, didn't he? Love God with all your heart, and love others as yourself. You know, if our, if our homes, if our families, if our country, if our churches, if our classrooms all practice that, we'd be in pretty good shape, wouldn't we? Many are familiar with Gallup polls. Gallup suggests that America is a nation of biblical illiterates. Only four in ten Americans know that Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount. A majority of citizens cannot name the four Gospels of the New Testament. Only three in ten teenagers know why Easter is celebrated. And two-thirds of Americans believe there are few, if any, absolute principles to direct human behavior. Two-thirds. Folks, we have the Word of God. It tells us the absolute principles to direct our behavior. We have the word of God. It tells us what's right and wrong. It tells us of heaven and hell. You know, our, our, our public school for years have, ta- have taught evolution as fact. I grew up in public schools. I went to a small conservative farming community uh, public school in Michigan. Good school. I had some good teachers. But it, I was 16 years old before I heard anything about creation. I was taught all through elementary, junior high, and high school that there was some big bang, and then some sort of life started, some little cell, and then it started swimming, and then it grew legs, and then it became a monkey, and then it became me. Now, I did always look funny, but <laughs> but I, I was taught that as this is what happened. It wasn't taught as a theory When i was 16 years old i didn't grow up in church i did accept christ at a younger age about seven i went to a vacation bible school but age 16 i thought that was fact i started attending church when i was 16 years old my dad was killed in a car accident the lord used that to get my attention i started attending church and i started hearing about this creation thing and so i'm trying to figure out how creation and evolution work together which by the way that's very popular nowadays But it can't be. It wasn't until when I went to a Christian college and really started studying God's Word that I learned there's more evidence for creation by a holy God in six literal days than there is in all this billions of years stuff. It's not been proven. It's still a theory. Evolution is a lie. It is a lie to try to explain away God. Because if there's no God, then we don't have to be accountable to anyone. Our children need to hear the truth of God's word. In in our Christian school, hopefully in your family, we, we teach history as his story. God started it all, and God's had his hand throughout history. Have bad things happened? Yes. Did God know they were happening? Yes. Did God allow them to happen? Yes. God is in control. We teach all the core subjects in our Christian school. We, you know, we go all the way up through, uh, you know, we, you know, we we teach something really crazy and sophisticated like phonics and and how to read and and things like that. But after that, that they even go beyond that. They get up to calculus and physics and chemistry and probability and statistics and all those things. Um, but we we. We teach all of our four subjects from a biblical perspective. And parents, you need to help your children see life and see every situation through, Ken Ham kind of coined the phrase, through biblical glasses. We need to see everything through a biblical perspective, through God's perspective. So how did Jesus teach? Okay, In the classroom, we teach using varying methods. Not everybody learns the same way. Would you all agree to that? Uh, There's different types of learners. And so we use different types of methods. How did Jesus teach? By the way, it's a good example for how we teach. Sometimes Jesus taught by giving a lecture. Okay, That's kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm just, just telling you things. Okay, Matthew 6.33 is a good example of that. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's a statement of fact. Statement of truth, something you need to learn, just a lecture. Uh, He goes on to explain it a little bit more. But in this instance, he doesn't give a bunch of of earthly examples. It's just kind of a lecture. We see other ways Jesus taught. He used analogies. So in Matthew chapter 6, I think the, the, the verse will be up on the screen, verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. He compares laying treasures up on Earth where you know that classic car you had that you fell in love with and now has rust on it, you know um, that's <clears throat> that second law of thermodynamics in effect, right? Um, everything is always is always going downhill. Uh, moth and rust doth corrupt, so Jesus is talking not about cars, but he's talking about everything you have on earth, it's going to decay. But lay up for yourselves treasures. In heaven, Now, is he talking about purchasing something and taking it up to seven, he- heaven, taking those precious stones up with you? No. But the analogy is, just like you buy things here on earth, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He goes on to explain how you can do that in his analogy. Uh, look at verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. There it is again, those thieves, a recurring theme. thieves trying to steal things. You know, the devil is trying to steal our the hearts and souls of our children. He's trying to do it. For where your treasure is, Matthew 6, 21 says, there will your heart be also. Jesus also used parables. Uh, Pastor Bloom read one of those uh, for us a little bit ago, talking about sheep and telling a story, um, and it's 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 telling a story to convey a truth. It's not just telling a story for story's sake. You know, sometimes preachers, they see you nodding off a little bit and and they tell a story. Sometimes it really fits with the message and it drives home the point. Sometimes it's just to wake you up, okay? Uh, But a parable here is to convey a truth. Matthew 13.34, all these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. During that message in Matthew 13, he is parable after parable after parable. He didn't really preach or lecture to them. Uh, The disciples asked him once in Matthew 13.10, the disciples came, said unto him, why speakest unto them in parables? And Jesus answered. Matthew 13.11, He answered and said unto them, because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to them it is not given. And I've heard it said this way. Parables were used in Scripture to reveal and to conceal. You know, throughout Jesus' ministry here on earth, he had followers. We would call them disciples. Disciples and apostles are a little different. Disciple is literally a follower of Christ, where Christ had 12 apostles. He had many, many disciples. You know, one time he got together and there were 5,000 people there, multitudes. Um, But there were a lot of people that followed and listened to Jesus' teaching while he was here on the earth. Most of them, we understand, were true in heart. and They wanted to know the truth. Some were scoffers and some were trying to catch him in a a, a lie or catch him in some sort of uh, perdition or treason. And they did that, didn't they? A parable, Jesus said right here, was to make known the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven to those of you that want to know it. To those on the, the outliers that really don't want to know, it was they're not going to get it. And you know, that happens when the word of God is preached in, in churches all across America. Now, the Holy Spirit of God guides us into all truth. But those that, that don't want to hear it, God doesn't reveal the deeper things of scripture to them. So that's a parable. Uh, Matthew 24, thir- 43 has a, another parable with a thief in it. Uh, but know this, that if the good men of the house had known uh, and known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Talking about the master going away and, and the good men of the house watching for the thief, for the robber. There are thieves out there that want to steal what God has entrusted us with. So again watching out for those thieves. And so then we talk about different types of ways of teaching. One of my favorite, teachers will tell you, is questioning. Is questioning. Jesus, hundreds of times, we see him use the word why or how or what, uh, hundreds of times in the New Testament. Questioning, asking, asking his followers what they thought and then guiding them into truth. Uh, When we use questioning in the classroom, it's to try to help our students with critical thinking, to develop their cognitive uh, abilities. And for those of you that have ever seen uh, Bloom's Taxonomy, here we go. Teachers, you ready for it again? Teachers have heard this. Some of you may not be in education. Anyone here that's not a teacher at Land Lakes Christian School that's familiar with Bloom's Taxonomy? All right, we got a few. Excellent. Bloom's taxonomy is old faithful. It's where you go to when you need to learn how to to reach different students with different levels. You know, there's a foundation. When you start at the bottom, there's a foundational knowledge that we all have to have. A student is not going to write a 5,000-word essay if they don't know how to read and write. So we have to start someplace. No one's going to do um, the Pythagorean theorem. Nobody's going to Uh, calculate integrals and derivatives until they first learn what 2 plus 2 is. There has to be a base, a foundational knowledge. And so uh, we learn foundational knowledges, then we turn that into comprehension where they're able to understand what they've learned, and then later they figure out how to use it with application. Um, Then they can break things down, they can analyze things. These are all just different levels of learning, and questioning is a good way to hit all those levels. So I encourage teachers that when you you have a varying degree of abilities of students in the classroom, those base knowledge questions you need to ask. Uh, sometimes there are schools that that don't want to you know teach a child how to read using phonics because that's hard work and they have to memorize things. And, oh, when you get to math, they have to memorize their times tables. And that's no fun. Let's just... Let's just go up at that like analysis, synthesis, evaluation level. Let's do all of our teaching up there. But if they don't have that base of knowledge to start with, they can't do it. When you're questioning in a classroom, you can look out in your classroom and you kind of know what level your students are on. You can ask those lower knowledge questions to the students that maybe don't know the higher ones. And then as you get higher up, you can ask the students that you know are more critical thinkers. And that helps everyone to think more critically. So let's try this out as a congregation. Are you ready? Uh, Famous story in the Bible. Everybody knows David and Goliath. Okay? A knowledge question on David and Goliath. Here you go. Who killed Goliath? Could you all get that? Okay. So, see, you're all at least at that base knowledge point. Okay? Um, And he used a stone, he used a slingslot. Those are basic knowledge questions. We get up to the comprehension level, and we want to understand, you know, why did David do it? Well, he said, is there not a cause? He was fighting for the Lord. What was, what was Saul's role during that time? Look at the size difference between David and Goliath. We get up to the uh, application stage, and we say something like this. You know what? Since David killed Goliath, I think I can trust God, too. He trusted God to do what God wanted him to do. Maybe I can, too. We get up a little bit further, and analysis, this is where all you engineers fall in line here. Um, Let's see, we try to figure out the the physics of how the slingshot and the stones worked. You know, we we weigh the armor difference, and it's David taking Saul's armor, it wouldn't have fit, you know, but Goliath's armor, you know, we talk about the idea of, well, David killed a bear in the past, he killed a lion in the past, what skills would transfer from that over killing a giant? You know, that's the analysis stage, and we get to synthesis, well, what if... What if Goliath's brothers come? What would we do? Was there another way to fight this fight? And then evaluation. Now, here's the biggest question I've always wondered about David and Goliath. This must mean I'm a higher order thinker, okay? I, uh, I ask myself, why in the world did they agree to this representative battle? Goliath steps out boastfully. Huh, I'm the biggest and the best. Send me your biggest and best. And we'll just, you know, we don't want everybody to fight, just us, you know? I think of that nowadays. What if, what if world leaders would just get together and arm wrestle? You know? <laughs> Call it close enough, you know? Why did the armies of Israel agree to Goliath's terms? Had I been there, I would have thought, hey, you thousand guys, go up there and take care of him. Why did they say, okay, we'll send one too? You know what that's like? That's the world dictating the terms in which Christians fight the battle. We don't have to fight the battle with the world's terms, with their conditions. We've got got the word of God. We've got the whole armor of God. I mean, let's fight. They're trying to steal our kids. They're trying to steal the next generation from godly parents. Don't let it happen. Parents, sometimes a good question will do more to help your child in a disciplinary situation than a long lecture. You know that? Be aware of that. Sometimes, you know what, they already knew what they did. They knew they were wrong. They know they're in trouble. By the for five minutes is not near as good. You want me to do that again? <laughs> it's not near as good as when you ask them the question and they answer them their own question. They understand. So that's how, that's some of the methods Jesus used. When did Jesus teach? When did Jesus teach? The next question, by the way, when should we teach our children? Jesus taught in the synagogue. He taught with the apostles. He taught with multitudes. He taught in a ship. He taught at the seashore. We see him teaching in a house as they walked along a dusty road. I think Jesus put into practice the admonition in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Where the Bible says in verse 7, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. and Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Don't you think Jesus taught all the time? Parents, we need to teach all the time. Grandparents, you don't have to have a morning, noon, and night Bible study with your grandkids. But you can be teaching them all the time. Whenever you have contact with them, through your words and through your walk, show them what likeness is. Demonstrate to your, your children and your grandchildren what be ye kind one to another really looks like. Teaching them all the time. At breakfast time, parents, when you're riding in the car to school, I know they're grumpy and not awake yet. So are you. But use the opportunity to share Bible principles with them. To talk about them, with, uh, talk with them about their day. At dinner time, if you don't have a, a dinner time with your family, um, work on that. Such a great time to, to uh, get together at least once a day and, and share thoughts together. Before they go to bed, spend time with your children. When did Jesus teach? All the time. When should we teach? All the time. Now who did Jesus teach? Who, are, who did Jesus teach? He taught publicans and sinners. And what's a publican? <laughs> a publican would be, com, uh, it, it's a person who collects taxes for the public welfare. It'd be like those 87,000 IRS agents that are coming your way. okay? Um, but back in those days, there was no checks and balances, and the publicans, the tax collectors, were dishonest, many of them. Many of them would would steal from you and make you pay more money than you could, and you really had almost no recourse. So they were were viewed as sinners, as wicked, uh, awful people. Well, Jesus taught them. Jesus ate with them. Jesus spent time with them. Um, In fact, look at uh, Luke 5.30. I believe the verses will be on the screen there. But the scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Here's Jesus' answer. And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. You know, if somebody walks in our back doors of our church, our front doors, I always get confused about that. They're kind of the back doors where you're sitting, but they're the front doors. Um, and they don't look quite like you do. Maybe they're not all cleaned up. Maybe they're not dressed according to church dress code. We don't have an official church dress code, okay? Um, But they ought to be welcomed by 20 people walking up and shaking their hands and saying, we're glad you're here, wanting them to hear the gospel of Christ. You know, you don't have to clean up your life to come to Christ. Now, after you come to Christ, after you accept him as Savior, he might clean up your life a little bit for you, but you don't have to be perfect and clean to come to Christ. Verse 32 says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus did eat with publicans and sinners. He taught publicans and sinners. We ought to, we ought to have that ministry within our church and in our personal lives. Um, then nextly, Jesus taught little children. And uh, when I got to thinking of how Jesus ministered to little children, I thought, you know, Land Lakes Christian School, we have we have a preschool. We start at three, year old, three years old and up. And, oh, the gracious love and kindness that those teachers that teach three-year-olds. If you, if, if you don't got it, you don't got it, okay? But the ones that do, whoo, good job, ladies. Okay, um, so, so here are, here are the, the preschool laws. I don't, if you have small children, you'll, you'll be familiar with this. Uh, The preschool laws go like this. If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. If I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. If it looks just like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you are playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. If it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> now, some of you teenagers still act that way, so come on, put away childish things. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 14, to suffer the little children to come unto me, forbid them not, for Of such is the kingdom of heaven. We need to share the gospel with little children. Children as early as four and five years of old accept Jesus Christ as their Savior all the time. So maybe you're not into the preschool world. I have something for you 10-year-olds. You ready? This is actually more for parents, but from 10-year-olds. This is from Mrs. Frost's class in Brookside, New Jersey. Thank you, Mrs. Frost, they're watching live expressing their views on what's wrong with grown-ups. Hold on. Number one, grown-ups make promises. Then they forget all about them, or else they say it wasn't really a promise, just a maybe. Number two, grown-ups don't do the things they're always telling the children to do, like pick up their things or be neat or always tell the truth. Number three, grown-ups never really listen to what children have to say. They always decide ahead of time what they're going to answer. Number four, grown-ups make mistakes, but they won't admit them. They always pretend that they weren't mistakes at all or somebody else made them. Number five, sometimes grown-ups punish children unfairly. It isn't right if you've done just a little something wrong and grown-ups take away something that means a lot to you. Other times you can do something really bad, and they say you're going to get punished, but then they don't follow through. You just never know. And you ought to know. So parents, teach your children. Listen to your children. Um, be honest with your children. I know there were times when my children were at home where I made mistakes. Every once in a while I do now, too. Um, there's been times when I've gone back to a child after punishing them for something that they didn't do, that I didn't know at the time. And you apologize and you ask forgiveness. Some people won't do that. Oh, well, it'll make me look small. It'll hurt my authority. No, it won't. If you messed up, guess what? Your kids already know it. They'd have a lot more respect for you if you own it and apologize and ask forgiveness. There's times we all mess up. <laughs> Kind of got that human nature, our sinful nature. So we're to teach little children, and then Jesus taught, obviously, the whole world. Jesus taught the whole world. We ought to also, through the church and the school, John 3, 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him, that the world through him might be saved. Jesus taught the world. We need to share the gospel with those we come in contact with each day. Okay, now why then? Why then did Jesus teach? Why Jesus taught? And why do we have a Christian school? Why do we have a church? Why do we do all these things? That goes back to John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief cometh forth, but to steal and to kill and to destroy. The devil's out there. He wants to destroy your life and my life and the life of our children. I am come, Jesus said, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus taught, he came to this earth and he taught us so that we could have eternal life, so we could have heaven. And not only that, so we could have abundant life, so we could have happiness. Educating for eternity involves protecting our children for those that are trying to steal their hearts and minds. Parents, whether you're a parent of a child at Land Lakes Christian School or not, are you protecting your kid from those thieves? Are you monitoring their online activity? Are you watching for those things that will steal their happiness? We encourage godly character and academic excellence. Parents, are you supporting that? As a church and a school, we strive to evangelize, edify, and equip Christians, Is that also happening in, in your home? Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Every head bowed, every eyes closed. I would like to ask a question today. Do you know that you have eternal life? Jesus says that he's come, that they might have life. Do you have that eternal life? Do you have a home in heaven? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that when you die you will go to heaven. Could you just slip your hand up there? No one's looking around but me. The Lord sees. If you know you're going to heaven, you've accepted Christ as your Savior, could you just slip up your hand? No one's looking around. Thank you very much. Now, maybe you couldn't raise your hand just a moment ago. You know, you can know. You can know that you have eternal life. The Bible says that we're all sinners. Wages of sin is death. Because we've sinned, we shall all die. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son. Jesus came, He lived a sinful life, and He died a substitutionary death to pay for your sins and for mine. If you were to pray and mean it with all your heart, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, but I accept your death on the cross. I believe in you. You could have eternal life even today. Christian, if you're here today and you don't realize the abundant life that Christ offers, maybe you've allowed the thief to steal some of your heart. Maybe you've allowed the devil to impact your life in ways that you never intended. Would you pray today and ask God to remove those things that hinder your walk with him? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word I thank you, Lord, for our school and our staff. Lord, I thank you for our church that has sponsored our Christian school, supportive of our Christian school. I pray, Lord, that we could continue to train up young people to live for you, to serve you. Lord, I pray if if there is someone here today that's not accepted Christ as Savior, today would be the day of salvation for them. And Lord, for those that maybe are struggling with allowing the devil to steal their joy, their happiness that You'd allow them to get into God's Word and to pray and to seek Your face, to say no to those things that are, are trying to rob that from them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.